Okay, we are back to the podcast, and um, we are going back to the Old Testament. If you recall, on Wednesday night, we started a, a kind of a study within the study um, on prayers of the uh, the Old Testament, and we started with Hannah, and uh, I love Hannah. Hannah's a great Great Bible character. Through the years when I've preached on Bible characters, uh, Hannah's always been one of my favorites, as well as Samuel. And I had fully planned, and I, I still would do Isaiah 6, but I had fully planned on dealing with um, Jabez, the Jabez prayer. But I, the Lord has just really worked in my heart on this this. This Jabez prayer, um, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach that on a Sunday morning. I'm either gonna do it on a Sunday morning or at the very least, uh, I will do it on a in-person, uh, or an in-person Bible study. The reason is, is I love the story of Jabez. It's very short. I mean, minor, minor, just or not say minor. Let me rephrase that. I, I don't like that term. Uh, minimal, minimal verses, and uh, it's a great account. And so I, I want to wait on Jabez. I want to either deal with Jabez on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening Bible study. Maybe even this coming Wednesday. Um, but I, I really, it's really in my heart, and so I, I want to deal with that in person. All right, I want to go. We're going to look in probably three places. If we have time, we may go on to Isaiah 6. But the New Testament teaches much about prayer. Okay? It teaches much about prayer. Paul and his prayers and the the different realities of Jesus teaching on prayer. But probably or perhaps some of the, the greatest prayer examples and prayer models that we see in the Bible are actually found in the Old Testament. And so we're going to spend some time looking at some Old Testament prayers. And, uh, and of course, this will, this will include several characters, different characters from the Old Testament. David being one uh, will be today. David's more, excuse me, as a, as a sidebar or byproduct of our story today. Our story is really focusing on Solomon more than David, but David, of course, was Solomon's father, and uh, he was he was a, a second son of Bathsheba. And of course, there were there were others, but Solomon was born. Uh, you remember the love child, okay? The love child was was the one that David had as a result of um, the the affair that he had with Bathsheba. Okay, and there, there's a great message there, but that, that baby died, okay? But then later, David did have children with Bathsheba, and, um, and so one of them, naturally, is Solomon. So, something fascinating. We're just coming out of Mother's Day, and I preached on it. I know I preached on it at Mother's Day at Franklin Heights, so... Some of you have heard me <clears throat> preach about this and talk about this a little bit. Um, and, and it's this. 
It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful account and story. And it's this reality. Did it ever occur to you that Solomon is pinning Proverbs 31? Okay. They're the Proverbs of Solomon. And of course, Solomon wrote the, the Proverbs under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Well, Proverbs 31, every woman, seem, most every woman knows, or every saved woman that's been in church for any amount of time typically knows, that the, the model woman, the model mother, is typically found in Proverbs 31, or is found in Proverbs 31. It's the virtuous woman chapter. Well, he he gives examples. The, the entire chapter is a chapter of lessons taught to him by his mother. Now, that's fat. that is the grace of God, folks. As a matter of fact, I didn't plan on this. This just happened. I won't. I, we're coming out of Mother's Day. Let's let's look at something real quick. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to First Chronicles, but go to Proverbs thirty-one. This is this is a little Mother's Day nugget for everyone, and not just mothers, but all of us. I, I want you to to just read this with me. Okay. Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, that would be kind of a pet name given to Solomon by his mother, Bathsheba, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So Bathsheba is teaching these things. What, my son, what made the son of my womb, what the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. <laughs> wow. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the judgment of any afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, remember his misery no more, open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction, open thy mouth to judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that she ha shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. And we know we know the chapter. Do I need to read it all? I don't. You can read it, but you know where I'm going, or you know what I see in this. This chapter is description and descriptive of a woman that is full of integrity, a woman that is full of virtue. It's called the virtuous woman. Do you know what virtue means? Virtue means moral excellence. Now, hold on a minute. Who is advising Solomon in this case? His mother. Who is his mother? His mother is Bathsheba. 
But when we first meet Bathsheba, we don't see her as being morally excellent. In fact, we see her as being morally bankrupt. We see her as being morally corrupt. We're talking about a woman who had an affair on her husband with King David. And now, here she is, and she is warning her son, because he's a king about women destroying kings. She is speaking of of having virtue and praise and a woman that should be praised and on and on and on we read and she is the farthest thing from moral excellence when we first meet her however the grace of almighty God changes this woman's life to the degree that she gives birth to Solomon and as she sits down to give him advice, he is inspired under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to write the advice that she has given him about women. And it is the pages of the Word of God, and we know it today as being Proverbs 31. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying that that is grace, 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 grace. Just like... Rahab the harlot, just like Ruth the Moabitess, and now we have Bathsheba. Bathsheba had a hand in inspiring Solomon. The Holy Ghost inspired him, but she had a hand in it with her advice to give us Proverbs 31. She is the farthest thing in most people's minds when we first approach her from a virtuous woman, yet the grace of God forever changes her life. Give people grace. If God's given people grace, we should give people grace. People mess up, people make mistakes, people fail, people have problems, and that's people. And you know what people will do? They will write someone off that's failed, made mistakes, had problems, then when they have those same problems or similar problems or other problems, they want grace when they weren't willing to give it. Well, this Bible teaches that we all need grace. We're all deserving of it. And should we be benefactors and beneficiaries of grace, God can use us greatly because Rahab or Bathsheba was the furthest thing that you could imagine from a virtuous woman. The heart of her husband could not safely trust in her. She cheated on him. She had an affair on him. And yet now, we've got all these years later, she is having a hand in, a great hand in, inspiring the Word of God and giving us Proverbs chapter 31, the model example of what a woman and a mother should be. So, thank God for His grace. Now, we come to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. And as we come to First Chronicles 29, we come to the, the end of David's reign. Okay? And he begins to pray in verse 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. 
Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and that the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as a head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great, to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. I like what he says in verse 14, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own we have given thee. David said, who am I? I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving of your blessings. Verse 15, for we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all our fathers. And our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is nothing, none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of mine heart, so the David says, I know you try our hearts, you test our hearts, you have pleasure in uprightness, that's righteousness. As for me and the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. And give unto Solomon, Solomon my son, a perfect heart, do you see this, to keep thy commandments thy testimonies, thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. So David is forbidden to build the house of the Lord. You know the story. I've, I've preached it often, taught it often. Um, we, as we, as we look at David's life, okay, we see see David's situation. David was a bloody man. David was a man of war. David was a man who killed many people. David, and, and by the way, his sin with Bathsheba is not what prevented him from building the house of God. It was the fact that he was a bloody man, a man of war. He had fought so many wars. Now, let me say something. I... I just, here recently, the past couple of weeks, I just mentioned Sunday, how Moses led all of those years and was prevented from being able to take the children into the promised land. Now we've got David. And David has loved God, served God, but he is prevented from being able to build the house of the Lord. There's some great lessons there. You can be forgiven. But that doesn't mean that that you you'll have all the privileges that you you would have had had you not messed up. And God still blessed David in so many capacities. He just wasn't going to allow him to build the house of God, just like Moses couldn't go into the promised land. Now David, understanding this fact, is giving the assignment to his son Solomon. As he gives this assignment to his son Solomon, he asks here in verse number 
19, And give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and do all these things, and to build the palace for which I have made provision. Now, having said that, let's go to 1 Kings 2, first of all. 1 Kings 2, just a couple of uh, chapters back. 1 Kings chapter number 2. So David, what did David ask? He asked that his his son Solomon have wisdom and provision and would serve after the true and living God. Now, let's look at David. David is speaking to Solomon. This is David's last charge to his son. All right, David has made his last prayer. He has uh, prayed to God. He has offered to God. He's offered to Solomon. Now he's sitting before Solomon, and here's what he says. David's uh, about to go the way of all the earth. Verse verse 1 of chapter 2, 1 Kings. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. He charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments. His testimonies that is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, and to Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew, and he shed the blood of war in peace, put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and his shoes that were on his feet. So, what's happening here is... David is dying. David has given his last words to Solomon. He calls Solomon his son in, and he he begins to charge him. Then as after he gives him his charge, which which would kind of be his, his going off admonishment, his speech, if you please, um, he begins to tell him who to work look out for. Watch out for Joab. Joab's a snake, and he is, and he was a snake. And so David's just giving Solomon a lot of practical advice, but he's also giving him spiritual advice to walk after the Lord your God and all his statutes. Now, let's go here to First Chronicle or Second Chronicles chapter one. Second Chronicles chapter one. Let's look at this. Verse number seven. Solomon is now on the throne. His throne has been established. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. So here we got God, on the night that Solomon's throne has been established, comes to Solomon. And he says, What do you want, son? I mean, man, you're talking about getting a prayer answered. You talking about having having God move? This is not Solomon going to God. This is God going to Solomon saying, "What can I do for you, my boy?" Okay. Just think if we had that opportunity. Just think if that that were to come our way, 
I can only imagine what folks would say today. I can only imagine what I would say. Let's look and see how Solomon answered. And that night God did appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come before the people, who, for who can judge this thy people? That is so great. Verse number 11, And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast that not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life. He didn't even ask for a longer life, folks, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, and over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee Riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall any of thee have like have the like. Then Solomon came from his journey to the high place, was at Gibeon of Jer Jerusalem, from before the tabernacle of the congregation, and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, which he placed in the chariot cities and with the king of Jerusalem. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. This thing starts with Bathsheba and David. It starts in a very sinful... You can't get any more sinful than this woman being married. David the king, who's in great power, could have any single woman in, in the kingdom that he wanted... And he chose a married woman. She complied. In fact, she was out there bathing on the roof. It's been debated. Was she enticing David? Or it's also been been stated that David, you know, this was the custom of the women to bathe on the roof. I didn't live in that time. I'm not the judge, so I'm I'm, I'm going to refrain. But either way... They both committed a very sinful act. Okay, they committed adultery on or against uh, against God and against Bathsheba's husband Uriah. Now, that's how this started. But by the time it's over, you couldn't be further from the way it started, isn't? If this were today, this would be a, the biggest scandal that people would never get over. It would be the biggest deal that people would never be able to get past. But God included it in His Scriptures. This is an adulterous affair, but it goes beyond that. It becomes a cover-up scheme. When she becomes with child, we know the story. He brings Uriah in off of the, the battlefield, has him, uh, in essence, uh, tries to, to make him sleep with his wife. He would not do that. Uriah wouldn't because his men were fighting and battling. He has to go back out on the battlefield. David put him at the heat of the battle so he would get killed. 
So effectively, he was he was a part of an adulterous affair, a cover-up scheme, and now a murder. Pretty bad stuff. Come on now. I mean, that's pretty bad. Well, it's not very far down the road. Bathsheba's now right with God. David's now right with God. She's inspiring and telling Solomon what to look for in a woman. It's getting put in the scriptures. And David on his deathbed goes to Solomon and says, Follow after the Lord your God with all your heart. And so God comes to Solomon now that he's king and says, What can I do for you, Solomon? And Solomon, ladies and gentlemen, upon God asking that, Here's what God responds. Verse 11, God said to Solomon, Because that's, because this was in thine heart that thou hast not asked riches. Solomon did not ask for financial blessings or riches. I do. I pray that God bless my business, that my needs be met, that I be able to take care of things that come up in life. I did. I do. That's not asked riches, wealth, or honor. Nor their life, nor the life of thine enemies. He said, "You didn't ask for revenge upon your enemies. Neither yet hast thou asked for long life." I do. I ask for long life for me. I ask for long life for you. Solomon didn't ask for any of that. Here's what he asked for: "But hast thou, but hast, but, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king." He said, you've asked for wisdom. You didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for riches. You did not ask for your enemies to be killed. You didn't even ask for a long life. Solomon, you've simply asked for wisdom to be able to do the job at hand. Because of that, I'm giving you, making you the wisest man that ever lived, according to the Bible. And I'm giving you more riches than anybody's ever asked for. See, it's our heart, folks. If we will align our prayer lives to the will of God, how do you do that? You pray for His will to be done. But it doesn't run contrary to what I talked about last time on praying what's on your heart. The way this works is so God has... Put something in your heart to pray about. Job. So let's just... Job. Let, let's, let's talk about that. That's a good generic example that a lot of people pray about often. Okay, God. I really want this job. I need this job. I'm praying that you give me the opportunity to have this job and to do it well. God, I believe this to be your will because the hours would allow me to... Uh, be in church to serve you to to spend time with my family it would it would it would provide a, a good income for my family here's that's why I believe it to be the will of God okay if you can pray in that manner over things that you desire God will give you the desires of your heart so what he's done for Solomon Solomon is praying simply for wisdom to to do the job that's at hand. And because Solomon's heart was turned to God, his concern was for God, his concern was for God's kingdom and God's will and what God wanted, 
God, ladies and gentlemen, give him what he prayed for. He made him the wisest man that ever lived. But not only that, God, give him those things that he didn't ask for. He give him riches. He give him abundance. He give him blessings. And so therein lies what, what my challenge is to us today. Pray that God make us fit to do what we have to do for Him. Come to Him with a pure heart, with pure motives, with pure guidance, and watch God do so much more for us. Because I'm telling you, that's how, that's it. it and it, you don't do it as a, it's, it's your heart, it's what's in your heart. Since we've started this, this business on prayer, since we've started this study on prayer, and I have examined my heart and where it was in my prayers, I'm telling you, I've watched God do things in my life that I knew were nothing but Him. And I mean blessing after blessing after blessing because I got to this place of these things that I'm teaching you where I wasn't... I wasn't trying to convince God. I wasn't trying to cajole God. God was seeing my heart and my love for Him. And He in turn blessed me with what He wanted me to have and do. But even more than that, in this context, He's blessed me with things that I wanted and I desired as well. Okay? He shall give thee Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's what we see in Solomon. Solomon didn't pray for riches. He didn't pray for abundance. He didn't pray for his enemies to be killed. He didn't even pray for a long life. But God gave him all of that. And God also gave him wisdom, which he did pray for. So sometimes God gives you things that you don't even pray for when you pray for the things that you should. It's about our hearts, where our hearts are at with God. And trust me, over 28 years at this, I've learned that astutely and wholeheartedly that it's the heart. God knows where our hearts are at no matter what we no matter what we portray, how we act, he knows where our hearts are. And he knew where Solomon's heart was. And so he was able to trust him with things that he didn't even ask for because he was showing such responsibility in what he did ask for. Okay? This has been when God blesses you with what you didn't even pray for. I hope you've enjoyed it. And good night. God bless. In-person Bible study on Sunday or on Wednesday night, 6.30.